Gentle ladies and gentlemen, rogues and roguettes, feast your ears on episode 27 of Sketchfast Play. I am John Fleury. Yeah, I'm Christopher Wade. And I threw you I, off with that, but uh, it'll make more sense in a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> we are a twice-a-month geek pop culture podcast talking TV, film, cartoons, and video games. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and most general podcast directories. Please consider subscribing to us on your platform of choice to stay up to date. Follow us on social media, either at SketchWatchPlay on Twitter or Facebook.com slash SketchWatchPlay. And we encourage you to leave feedback on those, leave good reviews on iTunes, or email us directly at SketchWatchPlay at gmail.com to tell us what you like, what you don't like, and even suggest possible topics for us to talk in the future. How are you, Chris? I am doing all right today, dude. Yep. Uh, just coming down off of Infinity War. And- oh, we're, we're getting to that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm just, I just have lots of feels. That's well, how, 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 when did you see it? Um, I saw it about two weeks ago, I think. Oh, so when yeah. it opened. Yeah. Well, actually, no, not when it opened. I saw it last Saturday okay. or last Sunday. So I guess, a I guess after, a week yeah. ago. Yeah. Sorry, okay. A week okay. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause you were, you were, I think you were busy. You've been very busy the past couple of weeks, uh, which is why we've, we've held this off a little bit. And that mm-hmm. is not a, that is not a complaint against you. Cause I've been guilty of the same thing multiple times. Uh, but it was a good opportunity for me to get Tyler back on and, uh, have an opening weekend spoiler cast about it. Have you listened to that episode yet? I actually have not, but I know that you guys have done it, and I'm, I wanted to take yeah, time out that, and do so, it. Well, don't feel bad if you repeat some some stuff that we brought up. Uh, if you bring up other topics, I'll discuss it further with you, though. Sure. Uh, so been, I guess I guess you, your work has been mostly occupying your time the past couple of weeks. Yes, lots of overtime, and I had a co-worker leave <laughs> so some more stuff on your desk now i guess yes yeah, so, yeah, so the the, de- mm-hmm. the work has been piling up i can handle it i can handle it of course but just takes time man, it takes a lot more time yeah yeah i've, I've had a couple of random things going on first thing i'll say is because i've brought up multiple times you know my grandma made me and watching all those fun these movies with her recording i didn't record this but um i was surprised to learn because i've showed her a bunch of cartoons because you know me she basically missed the disney renaissance in terms mm-hmm. of watching these things because i was like you know, he talks about, like, the big three that people always remember, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, and Aladdin. Uh, yeah. And she was like, yeah, I haven't seen any of those. And I was like, how? We were like, mm-hmm. I was, like, in grade school when those came out. You would babysit us all the time. We would watch these all the time. How have you not seen these? And she's like, I never sat down and watched them. I was mm-hmm. looking after everything else. So we've watched all three of those now. Um, and she's, I think Beauty and the Beast, she says, is still her favorite of those three because she loves old school, like, musicals. Um, sure. But she did love all three. Uh, Lion King, she definitely enjoyed. Funny, a couple of funny things. I rattled off some of the uh, cast list, and the only names she recognized were James Earl Jones and Whoopi Goldberg. Aww. Um, yeah, I, she, I, she, James Earl Jones, I know I rattled off. Uh, she's, she loves Field of Dreams, which he's great in. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, Color Purple could be up her alley. She loves dramas and uh, yeah. periodical period pieces, too. But character-wise, two funny things. Like, ten minutes in when, you know, Mufasa's talking to Simba, she just matter-of-factly went... I like his face. Oh, that's uh, very sweet. Yeah. And the funny thing is, because she does have trouble keeping track of characters' names and such. Yeah. Uh, like when we watched Avengers, she kept mixing up the word and Loki's names. But mm-hmm. all these African names, she was handling fine, but she couldn't remember Scar's name. Oh, man. <laughs> like halfway in around like the time of Be Prepared River, she was like, oh, there's the the bad thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, Scar. Like that's oh, the one the bad- name. The bad thing. The bad thing. Um, <laughs> and she did not disappoint to going, oh, with a moment because I was really waiting for when, towards the end, Scar just decks Sarabi in the face. I yeah. had ten times the king. That was a big, oh. 
Oh, um, God. She hated him. But you should. Yeah. That's the point. Scar, the Scar is a hateable son of a... Oh, uh, we, we got to talk Lion King someday. It's such a we good should. movie. We um, should. And I will... I just got to bring it up again because I remember when we... It was the episode before our, our Tearjerker one where I mentioned to Felipe that we were doing it and uh, he talked about crying at Lion King 2 and I, I like... Yeah, I didn't cry at Lion King 1 and you went, you're a monster! Mm-hmm. But at the same time, here you are saying, I love Coco, but I didn't cry at... Who is the monster now, Mr. Wade? I am the monster. <laughs> Coco's another one I want to talk someday, too, actually. Sure. Um, so, and two other quick things. One, I'm working on my next game video, which is going to be a really fun one. Uh, I'm sure it's part of a trend, but because we're running out of time until E3 and where this won't be as, uh, you know, easy to do, I'm doing a Smash Brothers character prediction video. Nice. But instead of it just being all the ones that I want, it's going to be, I'm doing do two top fives and one, which is, one is my, you know, personal most wanted, and another which I think is the most likely, like regardless of how I feel. And That's I know we talked about a little bit, Rex and Pyra are definitely in the uh, latter list. I mean, I would like to have them, but there's not in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you're, you'll be, I tweeted uh, about it, and my personal list is Rayman, and my expected list are the Rabbids. Yes, yes, yes. I'd be happy with both, but not just the rabbits. See, Uh, I would, I would personally enjoy Banjo Kazooie jumping in. Oh yeah, well, we know that the Xbox guys are open to talking about it. It's kind of up Nintendo, but yeah. um, And lastly, uh, two shout outs because both to you because I we we won't get into it here because it's kind of a personal. I had a shitty week recently, just Mm -hmm. a lot of turmoil and some stress. And like I've done before, I've talked to you about some of it, and you had some good tips and encouragement so thank you to that but one of the things I had told you about was like I've done so much work lately on like because when I'm not working or getting I'm working on the personal projects the videos yeah. cartoons and all that and I actually did just possibly land a, a freelance gig my first proper one for animation an indie studio is going to help me do character rigs and animations for a pitch uh, in Toon Boom uh, they're going to be sending me more details like an NDA soon, so I won't really be able to say much uh-huh. about it uh, if, if it goes through. But I was not feeling as thrilled about it as I, I, I just thought I should be. But then the other day, um, you saw this tweet. I'm still tinkering away on Spacious because that means the world to me. And I redid, uh, I, re- I redesigned uh, Leslie, one of the female leads, and I tweeted that and I looked at that yeah. and I was like, oh, I actually feel that satisfaction again because she her design was like it was. I'm sure you can you can identify with this. Sometimes it just takes so hard, so many attempts to nail a redesign. Like I'm sure you've gone through that with the scarecrows or some others. So that was a nice thing. And just one one smaller shout out uh, to Kaylee Mills who voiced oh. her and the little sister in the short. And a little congratulations because uh, she's you know she's an up and coming voice actress and she uh, confirmed recently confirmed she got the lead role in the dub for that show Re Zero, which I understand is pretty popular. Cool. Yeah, so that is uh, about it for our introductions. And before we just go any further, do you have a time you need, you need to log off? I do need to log off around six. Oh, we'll be fine. Um, yeah. So let's get into our. We have, you know, in our typical tradition, we each pick pick one thing. For those who haven't listened to this before, we each start out each episode typically with one of us, each of us picking one smaller piece of recent media to discuss, and then sure. we take turns each episode where one of us picks a big thing to discuss. Our, so for for veteran listeners, you're probably aware that our last episode was kind of a bonus where Chris was because Chris was busy and uh, I wanted to have something to fill the gap for this episode. Me and previous guest Tyler Moliterno did a full spoiler cast about Avengers Infinity War. But oh. now, Chris, you're up to date as well. So let's you saw it a week later and I've been ruminating on some of it, as I think most people are. Uh, yeah. So tell me, what did you think? I don't feel so good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It mm-hmm. was uh, like I called a few deaths pretty early on, um, but I did like the pacing. I liked 
uh, how the how the characters interacted with each other and the smaller little beats that they had. Uh, I dug Thanos' portrayal. Yeah. I, I I wanted to see more of his uh, infamous fascination with death. Apparently, because uh, I don't think like, that's a thing in I this. Hope, yeah, I I hope they. I kind of hope they expand on that a little bit more in the next one. I at this point, I doubt that they will because they really haven't been talking about it. It's he had a very different motivation here, and yeah. the only reason he was killing was because he saw it as necessary for preservation. Yeah, yeah, which is I thought was a little bit of bullshit, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. Um, oh, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like it, he's. It's kind of like what they did with Killmonger. Uh, noble motivation, horrible uh, answer. Oh yeah, yeah. I I also there were times when okay, so there were times when he was like talking about like you know cleansing the universe and you know do practicing as a mercy and and when he was talking to Doctor Strange and he was like back on my planet it was bad and then I said a lottery would be good non discriminatory just a mm-hmm. big uh, just is a big lottery where it happens by random and I'm just sitting there in my seat and I'm like random huh were you included in that lottery with Thanos? No, and, he did not include himself. Yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that he wasn't, but it doesn't sound like he was. This doesn't sound like a pretty trustworthy guy. I mean, sure, he comes across as you know very, uh, very. Well, there's only one person he really cared about. Yeah, and he, yeah. Did, he did a really shitty job of showing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hurt me. A couple of deaths really hurted me. Like I knew. I knew Loki was going to be one of the first. I I had called the entire opening scene with Loki and Heimdall being dead, and mm-hmm. I just didn't know. I the, the main factor I didn't expect was Hulk. Like, what a great way to establish Thanos. Yeah, to be him be the first one to just decimate the Hulk. And you know what? I mean that that kind of that kind of storyteller device is really strong, and a lot of a lot of writers are picking up on like when you have a strong character that's part of the essential cast take care of him first <laughs> really set the tone and showing that the audience yeah. that shit's about to go down take care of him so bad he doesn't want to come out for the rest of the movie yeah I, i've been seeing that happen a lot in, in modern day storytelling and it's it's kind it's it's giving me some pretty pretty good feels i, I like that because you know there's um, really some payoff for it in the next movie mm-hmm. that's gonna it's gonna be great what were the I other deaths so what were the deaths that hurt you the hurt the deaths that hurt me was gamora and vision Oh, those were those were both. Yeah, those like those and Loki were the really, really torturous, impactful ones. Yeah, uh, and spoilers, I, not the the only the big ones not caused by the purge. Especially. Yeah, yeah, those those two happen. They they just they just they're not an afterthought, but they're they're a means to an end. The, yeah. like, the, the big purge. Uh, um, that's, well, that's how'd you, okay, how do you feel about Peter Parker? Oh, that hurt, but I got it. That's the one that's upsetting the internet the most, it seems. Well, it's upsetting the internet, but the internet upset me with it because they spoiled me before I went and saw it. You, oh, did you know how it ended before you went? Oh, I did know how it ended because mm. the internet was like, check out all these pixelation memes. And, you know, you can mute that kind of stuff on Twitter, but only when people tag it. Yeah. So when yeah. people didn't tag it and I started seeing it, I was like, Fuck, that is on, why guys. I went and saw it opening day at noon and stayed off Twitter and everything. I'm going to do that again for Avengers Four. I'm like, oh, I'm not man. taking any chances. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I kind of think that was a that was a bold marketing move on Marvel's part. On one hand, they were like, Thanos demands your silence, but on the other hand, it's like it's it's one of those reverse psychology gimmicks where it's like, 
don't do this thing, wink, wink, because it kind of it kind of pushes people to hurry up and see it just in case, just so they won't get spoiled by it. Right. And right. It, it forces them to be a part of the conversation, which is smart thinking. But for those of us who have jobs and are stuck in overtime <laughs> they, and, can't, and can't get away to the theater and are waiting for the next paycheck, real life kind of happens. And the the weird thing is, normally you kind of wait for uh, wait about a week until you really publicly state what's been going on in a major release. I was spoiled three days after the release. Mm. So I knew they were going to die, or at least I knew uh, at least I knew Spidey was going to die. Okay. Um, it, I will say I'd always I'd, I'd always called Vision's death because I'm like, there's yeah, no well, way Vision, he can exist without that. Yeah, yeah. Vision dies in the comics like horribly, like a bunch of times. Well, this is it's mistaken. still a horrible death in this. Yeah, because he, he dies twice. Horribly. Yeah, yeah. That 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 didn't sit well with me. Vision, Vision. Not a, a, the a couple of my friends don't care about Vision. I do. I know he's not. I, I know he's not like he's not as cool as Iron Man. Not as morale driven. Conceptually, uh, driven he's just as, so unique. Yeah, he's one of the best that, parts of Age of Ultron, where like he's just observing, kind of, and learning. And I, I liked him. He's a part of the group. <laughs> yeah, not quite human or he, robot. It's just his own weird thing. He, he was a part of the family, and he he was just he blew up, and he got his brain snatched out of his body. That was I was like, oh god, that's horrible. Um, yeah. Everybody else, I felt bad, but I gotta tell you, I've and I'm going to sound super smug, but I've been raised on uh, apocalyptic anime since the 90s. I wasn't destroyed by this movie. I was, I still have feels about it, but I'll still like, you know what? If I hadn't watched Akira when I was nine years old, this would have done things to me. If this movie had ended with a bunch of giggling Gamora clones coming around, walking around and melting everyone. Oh, Jesus. Tony Stark screaming like a maniac looking at a giant pepper pots. You're talking end of Evangelion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have been different. I would have been like, oh, God, I'm seeing this in what? In in the theatrical way. This is not good for me. (laughs) Uh, Or imagine it went Devilman Crybaby on us. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and I'm it coming. Off did the in some ways. I, I'm coming off the heels of Crybaby. And like, oof, oof! You almost had me, but oof! I'm not seeing characters with their head, where 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 they're being like pranced around the streets with on their, sticks. Well, yeah, on sticks with their homes on fire. Oof! That was rough. Holy Wait, cow! That's another episode pick for me someday. I guarantee it. Um, yeah. What, so, any other um, points you want to touch on for the movie? I did want to touch on the fact that. There were times when I really felt for Thor. I haven't oh, felt for, yeah. I, I haven't felt for Thor in a while. And we no, touched no. on that because in Ragnarok, it seems like he barely touched on the death of his family and friends in that. Yeah, and that, and here, that scene with Rocket—that's like maybe the best non-Thanos character building part. That's what I really didn't like about Ragnarok. I know that's probably one of people's favorite Marvel films now, but I or actually, favorite Thor films. Yeah, yeah, but I actually didn't. Uh, I, I liked Ragnarok. I, I think it was very fun and a, and a great improvement over Dark World. But I also thought that there were certain beats and certain instances that they didn't let hold. They didn't let stay with the audience, like Odin and the friends being killed. O- Odin and the friends. Oh God, the friends being killed. Oh man, I was actually really pissed by that. Yeah, that took me by were. surprise because I knew I, I expected going in. Yeah, they're gonna kill Odin. Then just tell us so unceremoniously yeah yeah and then asgard being destroyed and i like kind that. of pl- kind of playing it off as a joke i, I oh, love with Korg. 
Yeah, I loved Asgard, but seeing it get wiped out like that and just kind of kind of, and using it as a uh, uh, a joke. As the, yeah, as the cherry for the joke, it kind of felt like, man, <laughs> thanks. I really wanted to sit with this feeling for a second. It is funny okay. to go from that. Then the opening scene of Infinity War was like, here, Chris. Yeah, that felt a little better. And I think that was done intentionally, but uh, it was seeing Thor feel really bad about not having anyone in his life. Yeah, that. interesting. Something point interesting change where Thor's like, you know, making this weapon could kill him. He's like, I've got nothing to lose. And then Rocket reads himself like, I've got plenty to lose. And then you get mm-hmm. to the end. And that's, yeah. that was the part that fucked me up where Rocket's just quietly going, no, no, no. Yeah. And, he doesn't even, and he doesn't even know all about the, all the others yet. Of course, of course, you saw uh, the director's uh, director revealing. Groot's last what line. Groot yes, for those yeah. who don't know, uh, Groot does once say one last "I am Groot" to Rocket before he dies, and James Gunn because he wrote the Avenger, the, Gu- the Guardians part, and apparently he he does tr- have English versions of every "I am Groot," so Vin Diesel knows how to emote it. Groot's last line to Rocket was "Dad." Oh man. That, that mean, was kind of, learning that was kind of rough. To, and oh, he made it worse before because he confirmed the 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 new baby teenage Groot is actually not the same of the as the original. The original actually yeah. did die. Oh, that's a shame. But the cherry is that I'm pretty sure almost everyone who was purged will be brought back because. So, Chris, that's the one of the other thing I want to talk about. What are your theories? Because that's the big thing. What are your theories about where what direction Avengers Four will go in? If you have um, I th- obviously, I think characters will come back. I don't think they'll come back until the very end. But I also think it might be a swan song for a couple of the core characters. Uh, this this particular movie was based on a uh, based around. Can you say it one more time? Yeah, yeah. The it's- theme was sacrifice, and what you're willing to. What can you still hear me? Now I can. Just keep going. Okay. The theme was sacrifice, and Thanos being the guy who was willing to sacrifice everything to get what he wants. One and obviously the heroes were like, eh, maybe we should pull our punches just a little bit so we we can we can be the good guys that we are. I don't think uh, I don't think Avengers Four is going to have that. I think Avengers Four there's going to be there's going to be a couple of core Avengers really nutting up and saying we have to do what needs to be done yeah. for 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 our loved ones, not for just for the, yeah, not just for the universe, but for those who were. Those who are unfairly taken away, uh, taken away against their will. Yeah, um, I have three factors that I think of. One, I think it's definitely going to involve time travel, mm-hmm. uh, because that would be probably be the only way short of getting the whole gauntlet to correct it. And mm-hmm. if it's just the if it starts out with just because you noticed it was pr- mostly just the original team who survived, along with Rocket mm-hmm. and Nebula. Um, so maybe I, I know some people are wondering if like it'll revisit past scenes. I would kind of love if. My biggest complaint about the battle scenes, even though they were fun, was that I was hoping for one with everyone. Because for the plot's sake, they're mostly split into like three or four groups. And I would love for Avengers 4 to end or get one brief thing where it's just like, imagine like they have to alter the New York battle and then Thanos and everybody else are there. Oh, I knew knew going into Infinity War that that they were going to be split the entire movie. Like, yeah, they still, but they I, still I mean, had... I'm wondering, like, how long will it take in four before everybody comes back? What if there are some yeah. who don't get revived until everything's done? Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be hard. I actually don't think... I'm not so certain time travel is going to be the the uh, um, the thing that brings everybody back. I it, think... I, I, I personally think that... You've seen Full Metal Alchemist, right? Equivalent change? Yeah, well, I, I... No. I think... <laughs> I think those who have perished, quote unquote, 
I think they're stuck in the truth. <laughs> I think they're that, stuck that in actually, the truth. That is a theory that they're not dead, but they're in some other reality. Because people I are think, looking to Doctor Doctor Strange is the big breadcrumb right now because he's the one. He said like we're in the only outcome where we'll win and yeah. people are noting like where he tells Thanos don't kill Tony and I'll give you the stone like yeah. it's apparently Tony is very important to this happening which leads me to think like that's he's they're gonna kill him in that yeah. like that's really, that's gonna be a big sacrifice in a bookend he started this whole universe he'll end this phase of it and you know he probably feels so much guilt to this point especially you know Peter was becoming a surrogate son he had to watch him die it's quite possible like any like anything can happen at this point yeah. especially especially with you know all the all the people who we thought were not going to die. Yes, died, they played but, us. But but only because if Right, they there's told, still one more movie. Yeah, well, if they didn't if they didn't let it drop that all these characters are getting sequels, then I would totally be on edge about Or if they killed story. off one of the originals like Thor Cap. Well, they killed off Sam Jackson, but yeah, you're no, right. No, one of the main, main yeah, you're, title you're right. characters. You're, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, but, the fact that but I'm I'm legit wondering like I don't know if you should take little kids to see this. Like I'm going to imagine like if you imagine like a little six-year-old who like Spider-Man or Black Panther is their favorite, they aren't keeping track of what comes next, and then the end happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would legit yeah. say if you have little kids, wait until the second one is out, and then go see this and immediately see two. Oh, you see Loki's next snap in the first five minutes. That's I, and I know. I'm talking like about a, being traumatized by their favorite hero dying. Well, like a lot of a lot of kids like Thor. I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of kids like. like <laughs> I'm Loki. Just, yeah, a I'm lot just saying. Of fangirls like Loki too. Oh, how many how many fangirls do you think are kids? I don't know actually. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying that popular favorites die very fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, that we got a lot of. Well, I, I expect you know they're going to have to reveal the title and some trailers before it comes out. So mm-hmm. we'll start to get some ideas. You know, I'm guessing maybe towards the end of this year because the movies the sequel's coming out in May. Sure. Um, and they're saying they have been saying like, yeah, we're not holding off. We're holding off on that. We're holding off on the title because they would say all along like people are like, why aren't you telling us the title? Aren't they? And I'm like, basically everything, anything we can tell you about Avengers Four spoils Infinity yeah. War. Now we know why because there's a lot of variables up in the air. And the moment they start dropping details is when we'll start to get some idea of where things are going. My mm-hmm. guess because the last thing I'll say is you know the the few things people point out about the trailers instead of the Avengers will return or so and so return Thanos will return. So I'm like, yeah. I guess it goes without saying. When he finds out they're going to be doing something to undo his life's work, he's going to make one more offensive. Well, he's got he's got to go he's got to go get his uh, his shit repaired, his gauntlet repaired. So, I, but I think it still worked because he he warped away at the end. Oh, he warped away. Like I think individually the stones still work. I think I, I just don't think they. I did notice the gauntlet looked very like burnt, and his arm was scarred. Like, and not to mention Thor stabbing him, he probably needs to recuperate. So I don't know what they'll, how they'll factor that in if he finds a way to heal by the time. Because one, of my, I think my actual favorite action scene wasn't the big Wakandan one, but it was when uh, Tony and company took him on. That yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun um, one. Like, seeing, and also the big that, one, you know, one last fake out when he stabbed Tony. That, I'm like, here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Like uh, seeing Thanos like throw a moon at everybody. That was that was some Final Fantasy shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I can hear you now. Uh, so, what do you need me to do? Uh, let's. I think after we just finish this in our game talk, we'll we'll disconnect and start a new call for the main thing. Okay. If, if you okay. send me your audio, you'll be fine. I'm just trying not to okay. interrupt it much. Um, so, anything else about uh, Infinity War? Um, let's see. I think that's really about it. I've had fun. It's, I think it's a good movie. If you're 
if you're just jumping in onto the Marvel train, don't start here. (laughs) No, don't start here. Marathon your way up through like the main core titles first. And And there's are there still some you haven't seen? Uh, Guardians Volume Two. Okay, so basically all you the only thing with that is you know who Mantis is, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I I mean you can skip a couple honestly. You can skip yeah yeah, some of the sequels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say one best one of my favorite things that I've touched on the past first movie we'd have all three best girls in one movie oh, Mantis, yeah, Shuri, fun. and Scarlet Witch yeah that was fun that was very fun I, oh you know that um, I'll, it, I'm guessing we'll see more of Shuri and uh, Koye uh, in in the sequel oh absolutely and Mbaku he's alive yeah yeah he's still alive too I bet we'll uh, have more of a story point because I'm guessing maybe some of it will deal with the data she got from, from Vision before he died yeah we'll see all right, um, and you still—you probably still place Black Panther above this, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Only, right. all, I mean, this was this was good. It wasn't a favorite of mine, but it does. It did give me. It did give me a good, a good range of feels. And oh yeah, it had, it, a, it, had a, it sticks out in terms of just its overall vibe too. Yeah, it had, a, and I think it's. I think the theme itself was strong. Um, yeah, had a good time. Cool. So go see it, but see everything else first. Yes. All right. Um, my turn, uh, and this isn't our main topic, but I have kind of gotten hooked on a very recent PS4 release, also available on Steam, and it's been a very pleasant surprise for me considering the first game, and that is Nino Kuni 2. I'm going to build a kingdom where everyone can live happily ever after. Tell uh, me, Ben. Now, yes. I want to ask you first, did you ever play the first game? Yes, I did. Actually, that's a lie. Serena played the first game, and I watched her play it, and we had a good time. Okay, that's an interesting thing, because that was actually, back when I, I, I might have brought up a couple of times, but from like 2011 to 2016, I, uh, or to, to early last year, actually, I did freelance game reviews for some sites, mm-hmm. um, and the one I did the most for, they would send me free copies of games sometimes, just for, for reviews. Uh, Nino Kuni was one of them. Oh, wow. And I honestly wish I liked it more than I did, because the... First off, it looked fantastic, both because the developer level five has a great pedigree with like games like Dark Cloud, Dragon Quest, Professor Layton, huge amount of stuff. Um, of but uh, the big thing, one of the big selling points, was the involvement of people from Studio Ghibli. Yeah, because uh, the character design huge, the classic Miyazaki look. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the backgrounds were there. I think Joe Hisaishi did music for for, yeah. I, and he did do music for this. I'm I'm looking for the sequel. I'm looking at it, and it's just I just wish I liked playing it more because I found the battle system kind of. Clunky. I find the actual gameplay and like the whole like collecting the emotion stuff very basic. I'm like, it's a cute story of this core, but I wish I was more engaged with actually playing it. And Nino Kuni 2, I gotta say, it feels like I know there were other people who liked it more, but still the same issues. And it feels like Level Five generally took the criticism to heart here. I'm enjoying this a lot more so far. Mm, that's good. Um, granted, I'm only about six hours in, and so we've talked about you how you. Your emotions went with Final Fantasy 15, so we'll see what happens. But so far, very positive impression. Now, interesting thing, this is, so it's not a reboot, but I think they consciously made it very newcomer-friendly, because it's the same, you know, parallel fantasy world as the first game, but hundreds of years later. Oh, wow. Uh, so, uh, so far, none of the characters I've seen have connections to the previous ones. Mm-hmm. There is... They, there's like a neat thing where, as one of the, I'll, actually I'll get to that. But there, there's a there's a puzzle in the in early in the game where you're you're reading about this legend, and I realize that is referencing the heroes and basic plot of the first game. It was so kind of, are you going down history over here? So are you, are you planning on doing a review of this at some point, like on YouTube or something? Uh probably not. But if you play it and want to, we can. I know you've brought that up in the past. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'll do that with Xenoblade, but if you, I think you'd like this. Yeah. Um, 
and just other aspects it is like the first one was already gorgeous this is even more like not just because of the ps4's increased power but uh it always runs at 60 fps beautifully even during cutscenes. and if you play it on pc and ps4 pro it does have 4k support okay. uh and the character designs are are they they emote well they animate well voice acting saw I love the fact that these games go for like a British cast yeah that's been, that's been a, that's been a thing lately uh, level I did that with other games like Dragon Quest uh, yeah oh and Xenoblade obviously that's always so, so Dragon Quest was level five I thought that was Queen Enix uh, they did they did they did eight the one on PS2 uh, okay. it's been different developers otherwise um, I'm okay. trying to remember if they're doing the new one that's coming out but I barely played that series yeah. Uh, but Xenoblade, Xenoblade one and two have European actors because the first one was only originally only localized for Europe, yeah. um, but they kind of uh, kept that tradition. Well, so other things about it, uh, it does. I will say the overarching plot seems kind of basic so far, but not to a degree where it's unengaging or anything. Yeah. Um, I will say this has one of the most interesting first like ten minutes of a game because I've gotten. Four characters so far. I know that your party eventually has six. You get the first two right away and two more very quickly after that. But the main two characters are the first two you get, where the idea is the main gimmick here is that in this parallel world, I don't think Earth is a big focus here this time, uh, Ding Dong Dell, which is run by, you know, cat people and uh, mice people as well. And as you learn more history, it turns out there's uh, some racial tension between the cat and mice. So oh, is right after the cat king dies and his son's about to take the throne, this the main character, this little very androgynous cat boy uh, named Evan, the his mouse advisor stages a coup, like oh. killing his staff and just stealing the throne for themselves to stop the, you know, the uh, the mice from being trod on, pretty much. So Evan escapes, and right when this happens, we start out in our world, and the president is driving to a summit in some city, and his name is Roland, and we see him notice a nuke fly into the city he's driving to and blow it up. Oh. Uh, he is not killed, but his car turns over, and while he's sitting there hurt, he somehow warps into our, the other world, but for some reason he's like half his age. Same oh. presidential suit, but like a more handsome 20s Bishonen hero. And I got to say, it's pretty amazing where he doesn't, when he notices, he doesn't like freak out and feel his face like, what is happening? He just goes, huh, well, you look at that. Anyway, yeah. and uh, he runs into the room trying to figure out where he is, sees Evan about to be killed by rat guards, and whips out his pistol and guns them down. Oh, wow. And basically, he he's like, I have no idea if I can go back to my place, but for now I'll help. Because Evan flees and decides, I'm going to start a new kingdom rather than... And Evan's almost kind of, he's not a pacifist, but he has his, the overarching goal of him right now and is set up this new kingdom called Evermore and try and use it to unite the other kingdom, kingdoms and bring world peace, which uh-huh. I have no idea where that will go in the end because mm-hmm. other characters even point out to him, you're not the first to try this. Do you realize how foolish it is? And actually yeah. to a point where like one of the main characters is telling me that he's like, you could be very right, but I'd never forgive myself if I didn't try. Yeah, and they're like, "That's I can't, I can't yeah. get mad at that." Yeah, you can't. And so that's where they, that plays into the game as well. So far, where a little bit in, you start unlocking. There's kind of three fundamental gameplay systems. The main one is traditional JRPG, overworld towns, and uh, real time combat in a little area, kind of like some of the Tales of games or Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Um, on the one cool thing is that you. Uh, you can have a party of three and switch between and who you play as of any of them at any time. That's cool. Um, kind of like the new the Final Fantasy 15 with the new updates. Yeah. Uh, and they all have different ideas, uh, you know, approaches. Because Evan is more about magic. Uh, Roland is more melee and projectile attack. Then you have a girl who's kind of the thief and her dad who's kind of the big, burly, slow tank. Gotcha. Uh, and outside of that, 
there are some sections where it turns into an RTS pretty much hmm. where uh, on, for the overworld, the RTS and the kingdom section, which I'll get to the graphic style switches to a more like zoomed out chibi look. I'm not thinking big of the chibi look, but I, I think it does help pack in more detail. Uh-huh. And it's a thing where you're running around with Evan with up to four units that you use the L and R buttons to have them circle around you. And I see. there's kind of a Pokemon Rock, Paper, Scissors elemental advantage there with them and enemy troops. Love it. And you can also hold a button to temporarily give them more attacks than recharge yeah. that meter. Or use points on, like, attacks. Like, here's a paralyzing thing. Here's uh, missiles from the sky because you have Sky Pirate. Like, you can tell it's Ghibli because you get studio Sky Pirates really early. Of course. And that's, that's, that's pretty fun, too. I feel like those go a little long, but they're a kind of unique take on it. Um, and the other thing that I was aware of going in because I've heard many people talking about it is the kingdom management thing. Uh, kingdom management. Which isn't so much like a risk-reward thing, but basically you, when you set up your kingdom evermore, you start with... It does. It's almost like a mobile game, but there are no yeah. microtransactions. Where over time, you automatically accumulate a, sp- a currency exclusive for the kingdom. Sure. And you can spend that to open new facilities, upgrade them, and almost all the side quests and even some of the main ones revolve around recruiting people to move to your kingdom with different ha! skills. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah. And so far, I've gone to. I found like some of the exile cat people. I went to um, the first kingdom you help out. It's, I, I can already tell there'll be some fun setups. It's like a Chinese village full of dog people where all their laws revolve around rolling dice. Oh. So it's like people are decided like guilty or innocent based on roll the dice. Oh, that's uh, casino is very popular. They ba- they base like should we raise taxes on a roll of dice? And so the subplot is there is how would political corruption work? Rig dice. Oh. Fun, there's some fun stuff there. And so I've gotten a couple a bunch of dog people there too. And it actually does it even will help point it out where it's like you can you can technically put any person on any facility you want, but they all excel at a certain area. So it's like oh you like some of them are like you know uh, over ongoing like resource collecting things like oh this person's be good at mine send them to this mine to get resources. Because there's also, you know, crafting and stuff like that. But the big, the most important one is stuff like, here's your weapon facility, here's your armor facility, here's your, your spell facility, where if you assign someone to research, like, being able to strengthen your existing stuff or make new ones, then there's a timer there. And as long as the game is on, you can play it, or you can do what I'm doing, just step away from the TV for a bit. They'll continue to work on it. And doing those and building new facilities and upgrading the old ones give upgrades your rank, which will eventually allow you to, like, add, like, make the kingdom bigger, make the facilities bigger. There's a constant sense of reward there. It's really addicting and satisfying. That's cool. All right. Well, that's, uh, let me ask you, does it come with an art book? Oh, I rented it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, well, I do, do game for a lot of games. Okay. Well, I was, I was asking cause I know the first game had like a giant art book. Like, okay. Hang was- on. I'm going to, I'm going to Google if they put one out. Uh, blah, 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 blah. they are selling the art book separately on, uh, uh, Amazon. Oh, really? It's not out, it's not out till August. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the collector. You know, I'm seeing what the collector's edition includes. Maybe it comes with a smaller art book. Uh, now, doesn't say. The first art book for Nino Kuni went. It was it was a special edition. Let me see if I can Google it myself. Okay. Nino Kuni, and that art book was super expansive. Like it wasn't just. And this is how these characters are drawn. It well, was inscriptions. There was world-building shit in this book. Like, Ghibli, it was of course. huge. Uh, yeah. I will note, apparently Ghibli wasn't as immensely involved this time. Other than yeah, yeah, yeah. And keeping the art style. But yeah. it doesn't feel... I, I can't, if you didn't know that, like, I couldn't tell. Like, Level 5 mm-hmm. did a good job of preserving the vibe of the first one. Yeah. Now, the first... Let me see. It was called The Wrath of the White Witch Wizards Edition. 
Okay. Um, actually, that might not be right either. That is. Uh, let me just take a good look. Yeah, this book was massive. I'm not even sure if they even sell it anymore. Like on eBay, when it first came out on eBay, it was selling for a buttload of cash. Yeah, well, the first game was a while ago, so it's very likely out of print. Yeah, wow. Uh, I wish that they had it. Like it's well, on Amazon right now. It's 340 pages. <laughs> wow. It's uh, it's Jesus. I don't. It doesn't even have a price. It has yeah. no price. Maybe you'll want it. You'll want to pre-order this one. Yeah, uh, I guess you'll want to play the game first, but trust me, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's so far, it's I am really digging it. Maybe not enough to say it's like one of the best JRPGs I've ever played, but it has a depending on how the whole game shapes up, I, it, it has a shot at making one of my favorites of the year. We'll see. We'll see how like how I do if like I'm feeling fatigued, bored by the end, or if the sword takes a weird turn. But so far, I'm like this is this is awesome. Excellent. So right. yeah, I recommend. And, I, I, and if you really like the first, um, not just not just Chris, but anybody who else liked the first, yeah, definitely check it out. Because speaking as someone who liked most things about the first, except how it played, this is a big step up while still keeping the charm. Um, mm-hmm. Like the story has a lot of innocence while still having dark edges to it. Uh, sure. In classic okay. form. So yeah, that does it for our main things. Now we're going to save and talk about our main thing. Okay. He was one tough, humongous, but we finally nabbed him because our strength is teamwork. They've hunted down dragons in every corner of the world. Here's to the greatest hunting duo of all time, to Guisto and Lian Chu. If they helped to pay the rent, it would be even better. So this is kind of part two of an impromptu theme month I suggested to Chris, where I said, we've had some fun. Like, sometimes we pick very obvious things, but sometimes we pick surprise things. It could be, like, topics, like emotional moments, but I also thought it would be fun. Like, I feel like anybody like us into cartoons and media as much as we are, everybody's bound to have at least one thing that, like, is generally not well-known, but means a lot to them for one reason or another. So mm-hmm. we've had our, our picks have reflected that. Uh, Chris picked Little Nemo last episode, and I'm picking something that I'm like, yeah, Little Nemo is obscure, but this in the States, I like, I would always be surprised to find someone who's like, oh yeah, that, I know that. So we are going to talk uh, primarily the, the TV show. It is a, started in France in 2004, uh, animated show Dragon Hunters. Yeah. Uh, and French, Chasseurs des Dragons, which I think means the same thing, and I do not know if I'm pronouncing Chasseurs right. Uh, so interesting thing, this was, I've done some research on the show, and apparently it was in Europe, over in Europe and actually uh, uh, the Middle East. It's, it's, it was a huge hit. Um, yeah. Which is, so it was initial season of 26 episodes, because often new shows get that or 13. And yeah. a few years later in 2008, it got both a theatrical CG movie and an additional 26 episode season, which I assume was spurred by the to help promote the, the movie, which we'll talk yeah. about. But the main ball of our conversation is going to revolve the show because I discovered the, and fell in love with this show purely by chance. Now, around it was yeah, it was like 2006. I was in college, and Cartoon Network was was you know they always have a couple foreign shows on either from Canada or other European countries in French. Uh, yeah, animates its own thing. And I remember there were a couple of them that they, instead of putting on any of their main blocks, they put them into like, and they still do this sometimes, they just put it into random morning slots, um, often mm-hmm. with a little promotion. And I remember yeah. it was seeing a brief commercial where it was just like a couple of random shows and this one thing of one of the, the main characters, Lian Chu, who'll talk about like sticking a pole out a window and seeing it get burned because of the dragon scene outside. And I yeah. thought nothing of this. I'm like, well, I've never heard of this. Nobody's heard about it, whatever. Uh, but later I was browsing Cartoon Network's video site. Um, like most places, nowadays but back then they also had a place where 
they would show select episodes of their most popular shows and a lot more episodes of lesser-known sh- shows for free. Dragon Hunters was one of them. I thought the lead of the characters looked fun, so I clicked the first episode and went, oh, this this is kind of awesome. Before I knew yeah. it, I'd watched all 26 episodes. Mm-hmm. And But because it was placed in this kind of slot with like little promotion, I think they only aired like four or five episodes before canceling it there. Wow. Uh, it yeah, it never even really got a shot. So I had to, you know, I, I watched everything that I could on that on their site of that 26. And then I tracked down because it did get a, home, a DVD release. And I bought all five volumes they released, but it only went up to episode, episode 17, which bummed me out because there were some episodes I really liked in those latter nine or so. Um, and thankfully, a couple years later, uh, I'm not going to lie, I did track the first season down a bit torn. Somebody put it up. And I noticed one of the uploads, they all had the Cartoon Network logo in the, in the, in the corner. So I'm like, yeah. some network guy wanted this leaked. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, the ones I have now are actually rips from the German box set because they have a German audio track and text for like the, the credits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also actually no, you can't find the, for, I, I remember back in the day when the, during the heyday of iTunes TV show purchases man put them on iTunes put them on iTunes and they did put them on iTunes and Amazon to buy like three years ago which I bought at some just because I wanted to and yeah. I don't think it's available there anymore uh, but the show has previously been on Netflix and Hulu in the past uh, mm-hmm. which is actually the Netflix is how I finally saw the second season when they dubbed it second seasons uh, years later and we'll get to that and Chris you so I mentioned this to you and you know I upload a couple episodes on like private sites like Mega and said just watch a couple of these and I think you actually said you were kind of aware of this show um, yeah like I didn't know the name but I've seen these designs before and I've seen is, them a lot it's very weird because uh, I I I was aware that these characters existed. I didn't know where they were from. I didn't know what the title of the show was from. But their character designs are very familiar. Which is uh, funny because I would never have – I don't have any recollection of seeing these guys outside of me looking into the show. Yeah, like they've been on the uh, – like people have been passing these designs on around that before. This, the show is created by what? Arthur Quack? Quack? Yes, yes. Uh, French guy and just a funny little thing. Um, I am probably the only guy who freaked out because I mentioned I watched some of the Netflix Skylanders cartoon and I yeah. do enjoy it. And many of those episodes are directed by him. Oh wow! Okay, that makes sense. Okay, all right. Because uh, he's like a he's like a background artist uh, as well as like um, as well as, well as like the showrunner for for Dragon Hunters. I think he created it with one other guy. And, and yeah, the same background artist makes sense because I loved the environments in the show. Oh oh, I totally dug the environments in that. We'll show. talk more about that. But so you think you've just seen it by oh you become aware of it by word of mouth, but only yeah. the character designs. Only by only by the character designs. I didn't really think much of it, and then you happen to talk about it, and then when you showed me the link, I was like I seen this before i know i've seen this before i didn't watch i didn't like watch it like entirely as a kid but i was you would not have been a kid when this came out or i'm not not as i didn't watch it when it came out though not not as a kid but i know of this show is what i'm saying okay so let me just get into normally we don't do that much like setting up what this what a thing is when we talk about it but Mm -hmm. because this is so obscure i'm gonna just lay it out for people who I, I, if, if you're a listener who was aware of this show before I brought it up, please write to us. Um, Got it. So technically, it is a standard. It does set in a standard feudal medieval fantasy world. Um, mm-hmm. The big gimmick is the structure of the world. Yeah. Um, imagine you know the concept of the floating island, like Knuckles home from Sonic, or that section from uh, Avatar, the James Cameron movie with those floating rock formations. Yeah. That's the whole world. It is a like hundreds of floating islands, some the size of a city, some 
like small enough one person mm-hmm. and you get the vibe that like people have set up ridges and such to get around them and yeah. others also have uh flying machines mm-hmm. um because our main characters get around in a little pedal powered helicopter thing called the saint george har har one so much like any medieval world regardless of of, of islands it has a big dragon problem um, yeah and not just the winged fire breathing kind like they get very creative with the dragon designs and concepts. They are... Yeah, they're invisible ones. There are front ones that look like frogs. There are ones that... Are big and furry them, and are just more big, Bigfoot. Engulf themselves in the fire. Like, there's about as much love for the dragon designs here. And concepts. As, yeah, and, and, and concepts. Then, um, at, and, and what I've seen in, like... Uh, what's what was it? It's, uh, How to Train Your Dragon or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, uh, I would highly recommend this to the people who love the dragons from that franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and but uh, and and I, it's also in service of technically every episode kind of has a monster of the day hook. It but does. the interesting thing is, depending on the episode, sometimes the story revolves around the dragon way less. It is not weighed down by that concept. Um, some of them, some of them are just for little scenes to them to have fun with these concepts. Some of them are very like the second season. The opening episode is, is about a basically a were dragon that scratches Lian Chu and he turns into one at night, um, or <laughs> wow. one that puts Guizhou to sleep with like a, a pheromone or, or like a gas, and he dreams about like the perfect life. Yeah, like they, yeah. Just, they get super. There's one that's like a ghost. That's just straight up like a ghost, and it's it's just very. That's part of part of the charm of it. Both both these dragon concepts and like we said, this world looks so the the, the background style, art style. Of this I I am in love with it. Yeah, this is a very unique looking show. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, uh, the character designs are also you. They kind of do give you that European vibe. They're very rounded, mm-hmm. very um, exaggerated, but generally pretty appealing. I think so. I, the the primary cast. Get- what? I, I can't get over Lian Chu's tiny head <laughs> and his giant body. No, like, no, I no. Keep... <laughs> I, I can't get over his legs. It's the same thing we talked about yeah. with Mitch and Paranorman. Because I'm going to get to these characters. Lian Chu is huge, like seven yeah. feet tall, muscular as hell, just huge. And he, like thick neck, but tiny head and tiny spindly legs. In real life, he could not stand. And He's I just kind of love that. Because it kind of also reflects his personality. Tiny spindly legs, uh, yes. tiny hands, and he's just and he's very soft spoken. Yes, so these so our main they're basically technically three, but more two main characters, this trio of so obviously there's there's an industry for dragon hunting, kinda of like bounty hunting and such. Um, so it's these two guys, lifelong friends, uh Guizdo and Lian Chu. The episodes go into they are both orphaned. Uh Lian Chu, when he was a kid, lost his home to a dragon burning it down. He was the sole survivor, and Guizdo was apparently abandoned as a baby. Like he has no idea. And mm-hmm. they were raised in the same orphanage together, which they actually visited in one episode. And I just a funny little quirk: their uh, caretaker is named Mother Hubbard. Um, yeah. And but when they grew up, they they you know they took on because they they balanced each other out very well in terms of their their what their skills. Yeah. Uh, Guizdo is a very tiny little guy. His, his design and manners remind me of uh, Timon and Daxter. I was just about to the say goggles, Timon. especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah Timon. He is definitely Timon. Yeah, yeah, and he has Daxter's goggles. I think Daxter's Timon inspired to begin with. Mm-hmm. He he is very he's quite cocky. Like by all accounts, he is a douchebag. But the, I, I I like the fact that there is more than that to him because he is a coward. He is often a borderline con man. Um, there are, there are episodes in parts of the movie where like he's like he's making up a plan just to get away with some money. He, he's obsessed over money and he's obsessed over contract writing. That one funny thing they touch on multiple times in the show, almost no nobody in the world can read because it's medieval times. Yeah. We still can. And he used that to his full advantage. Um, mm-hmm. There's even an episode where 
uh, he has a crisis of faith, and they're like stranded by, by these clients on an island with a dragon. And Lian Chu's idea to cheer him up is uh, go over and try and arrange a contract by himself. And he says something <laughs> to the third guy, Hector. When he was a child, he didn't have many friends who would just read contracts day and night. That um, is the saddest thing kind of and the most apt thing for this character, but I swear. he's also my favorite character. Yeah. Um, and he... I, I'm trying to write my, my more notes about him. Yeah, and, and Lian Chu is also great because he is both a legit fantastic fighter, but he's also a sweetheart. He is a, the definition of a gentle giant. Uh, mm-hmm. and not even in a way where he's stupid, like a mice and men kind of thing. Like, he just has compassion, and he has... There's, I remember their episode... There's, like, an episode where... Um, we'll get to where they live. They're kind of permanent tenants to this inn, and it's an episode starting where like, there's a storm outside, and we just, just pissed off, like he's got cabin fever. Like, we're not getting any contracts, we're not making any money. And Leanne Chu's like, but we're just in here. It's warm, and the food is good. Like, yeah. he's okay with the small things. He often, and there are many times where he's the one to keep Guizdo in check, but there are some times where, like, Guizdo won't take his no for an answer, and Leanne Chu just has to play along and deal with the inevitable shit storm it causes. Um, and the third one, the, but it's a more modern one, is uh, Hector, because they actually have a little. You know, I'm guessing you weren't big big on this guy. He's kind of a minion type. He is a little blue dragon himself. But the funny thing is, I think the idea is they, they've never gone into how they met him and such. But I get the idea that he's kind of a runt. He can kind of talk, but it's very like pigeon English and a lot of gibberish mixed in. Like he'll say his names and with their names and go, I can't talk about this. A lot of random random stuff. Uh, and often we just kind of sees him as like you're the uh, pedal power for our flying the machine and you carry the weapons. And yeah, yeah. Hector was uh, Hector was the point of the show that was kind of uh, it didn't he didn't sit well. <laughs> well it doesn't help that the first episode you watch was like the only episode that's about Hector. Ugh, okay. Where he, you know, screaming like shit, he decides to leave and like live with a wild dragon, which doesn't go well for him. Yeah. Um, and but I mean to be fair, this it, it, he's still a minor part of of the show as a whole. But I can guess like if, if that archetype bothers you as much as it did. Then maybe they'll get you. But we also haven't talked about the uh, the side, the two main side characters, Zaza and Jenaline, because mm-hmm. the gimmick is because this kind of takes the same approach as stuff like Cowboy Bebop and Firefly, where yes, they're doing this cool job none of us could have could do in real life, but they are broke as hell. Uh, yeah, they only score the payload for one reason or another, like every eight or nine episodes. But the idea is they have been you know tenants of this inn for years and uh they have a huge huge tab for food and board and the but the 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 catch is the innkeeper generally in this huge german and like fierce lady kind of like a brunhilde type she actually does have like even though she can be very aggressive to them she is kind of in love with guizdo which she does not appreciate um but that's also to their benefit because she's she can often give them lenience overall even though she can be very angry at them from moment to moment uh Mm -hmm. and her character her daughter uh this like i think she's she's, one of the birthdays is her one of the episodes is her turning 10 uh zaza who is you know kind of a spunky adventurous girl uh and something that jenlene is mad about both zaza and her older daughter zoria who pops on a couple episodes the guys have influenced them to take up dragon hunting or in zaza's case mm. be interested in it uh which i think is really cute and there are a couple side characters that show up uh i won't go into because we don't we don't have that much time but uh my favorite is did you see any of the episodes with the uh old doctor 
The old doctor. I don't Noble remember. KO. I'll put a clip of him. The gimmick is he is legit, like, experienced and knowledgeable about, like, every species of dragon and ailment, but he is super, super nearsighted and absent-minded. So typically, mm. every conversation starts off with, like, him examining the wrong person, uh, getting everyone's gender wrong, and just interrupting, like, get, before I say anything else, can you go make me a sandwich? Uh, no. <laughs> he's a lot of fun. And okay. You say he can't feel his legs anymore? Yeah, but that's his uh, his... Chin. Of course, I thought so. You see, I'm not used to dealing with horses. He isn't a horse, Noble Kale. He's a, a human being. Now listen here, are you trying to teach me my job? D- no, no, uh, of course not. That's too bad. I could have used the refresher course. What? No, I thought you was talking about me, and I was like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> do you like sandwiches? I do like sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So that's so. Part of the, what makes this show work for me is I've talked about like yeah, Wisto is. By all accounts, a douche. But there's so many episodes. There's a good. Well, there's a good amount of episodes where stuff happens. He does stuff to make you realize what his real moral compass is. Despite all the mm-hmm. money and greed and cowardice, there's an episode you, you said you didn't see it. It's a shame because it's a good one. In battle, Li and Shu is poisoned by this barbed tail of a dragon before it dies. Yeah. And the doctor explains he's going to be gradually paralyzed and die. And the only known cure for this is this gland of this one dragon, only one known left known to exist. So they, they have to journey there, and Guizo has to kind of find a way to attack it. Gotcha. Um, and he takes a lot. He has a lot of cajoling, and he's like so hesitant at first. But there's some good emotional parts where he hears Leontru freaking out, and like goes outside looking sad. It's there's some good emotional beats. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm trying to see. Uh, I've been speaking a lot so far. So what are, do you have anything you want to say about your observations of what you saw? Um, I can, I can tell there was a lot, a, a lot of imagination put into to this show, and I, oh yeah, I do dig the dynamic between those three characters. Um, the execution isn't for me though. I found like on an entertainment level, uh, I, I did, um, I, I didn't really feel the vibe that you were feeling, and I was kind of interested as to what made this show special to you. Hopefully I can make that make more, some more sense. So yeah. you watched that and you, you watched – I can't remember the episodes. You watched some of the one about the monks, which uh, I think that's a very funny episode because the idea is these monks who are like – like grow. Did you watch the part where they're doing the speech and – oh, you, 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 you said you just listened to it. I just listened to it for the most, oh, um, for, for the most part. But where... I did – but there was, there was one particular gag um, that I do remember in the very first episode where um, – Lian Chu and Hector are basically they're they're basically trying to negotiate their contract and they're giving this dude like the biggest cheesiest grin uh, as far as getting the gold and he keeps going up in price and there's this moment when Lian Chu just looks at Hector like are we still doing this okay we're still doing this like Lian Chu's getting all nervous he's kind of saying he's kind of talking all dope because one of Lian Chu's cute traits is that he has a bunch of proverbs I'll just randomly say a little like rhyme about their situation but he gets super nervous from this crowd and he asks Hector and Hector's like oh it's easy just do a a smile jeez so they do that, mm-hmm. and the guy walks up like, "All right, all right, you, you drive hard bargain. We'll do like uh, fifty gold pieces," and just keeps cutting back and forth. A hundred. He gets more nervous. A hundred, two hundred, and I, one of my favorite is when they do like the quick, the quick cuts to them. That Hector is picking his nose for like half a second. Jeez, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love yeah. It. it just keeps going. Like there are tiny, there there are, there are specific moments that I did uh, that I did like about um, that I did like about this show uh, overall. Uh, it did kind of miss me in in, in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So I um, I did recognize that this show, people do um, people who are fans of this show, they're they're fans of this show. I am among them. Yeah. So I'm like, 
what is what is what is the what is the essence of this show is what I'm what I'm trying to get at because so, you sent me a you, you sent me what? you sent me a clip from the movie of, of the movie we will get and you. It, well I just want to say that I was fucking down because <laughs> yes, I saw I that little, like the best section of the movie though other than one scene after that the movie has other good uh, parts but that is where it okay. peaks I would say okay, we'll get to it okay. um but. Well, part of what I love is I do love, like I said, the dynamics, and I kind of wish you would watch more because maybe you would see like some of this. Like, there's like there's an episode where Guizzo finds out about this. They get a customer who he looks all raggedy and hermit, like, but he pays with this amazing coin worth a lot. Guizzo finds out about this place that like is like, has one of the richest vaults in the world, mm-hmm. and but apparently they don't have any dragon problems. So he has an idea. He has the doctor make a discover a potion that can kind of temporarily mutate creatures to be more like feral and savage uh, it's basically mm-hmm. like dragons from Zootopia and yeah. he they go to this to this island asking like they're just passing through and getting room for the night and it's already funny because the whole thing looks like a rundown throwable country and when they ask their king like why do you why do you live like this when you have this money he's like the money's too important to spend it nah. and um, <laughs> so Guizzo's idea is when they go to bed at night feed Hector the potion and he'll play along with them and they take him in and get get a reward yeah. Which happens, but Hector, Feral Hector goes for their vault and eats all the gold. Oh. So they are literally now actual paupers, and Jesus. the guys get jack shit. Oh. And Leon Drew, the whole episode, is telling Guizzo, like, this is not a good idea. This won't work out. And Guizzo's like, relax, buddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the, by the episode, it's like, Guizzo has... Because they also tested it on, on a pig at the farm where the inn is. And by the end, he's ravaged the uh, place. And now Guizzo's tab is even higher. And with them having, like, wait tables. Oh, boy. Um, Man. But also, the, for the episode you watch, that's one of the episodes where they do land a load, of, a load of gold. There are a couple where they do get some. But you get the sense it's still never enough for whatever yeah. gargantuan build they have. It, it, it seems like that they're, they're forever trying to get climb out of debt. Like, like in real life. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddies. I, I am, uh, like, I'm, as we're talking, I'm thumbing through, like, a lot of fan art of this show. And oh, I was going to there's, most of it is of Guisto, and I gotta yeah. say, for such a wormy character, there seemed to be a lot of fangirls for him. Oh, definitely. Like, like I'm looking through, like. the hunkiest dude. Like, I got my safe safe search on right now. You're and still I'm seeing some stuff. I'm, I'm going to keep it there. You're still seeing, <laughs> like, some girls' stuff. Like, a bunch of girl OCs. They're like, oh, I'm Guizdo's girlfriend. I'm, I'm seeing a very handsome Guizdo here. I will say, on the handful of occasions where you see him with the goggle helmet off, he has cool hairstyle. Like, uh, you would let me think see he was can... balding or something, but no. I'm seeing I'm seeing one where Liam Chu like has his helmet off and it's like Guizzo. blonde. Or, uh, um, no, I, I'm uh, I mean Liam Chu because he has his uh, not helmet. Uh, he has a little the, ponytail. Yeah, like he's it's down or something. It's oh, blonde. Boy. I don't know. It's very specific. It's probably a specific episode. Never mind. Don't worry about that. But yeah, like there is. Wait, is he wearing a blonde wig? He's probably wearing a blonde wig. That's the episode. That's, no, that's an episode where there's a great concept. It's it's kind of there isn't much continuity to it other than referencing characters they've met. But there's an episode where they help these dwarves with a uh, dragon, but botch at the end. There's a sequel episode. The dwarves put a bounty on their head because they're so pissed. And Big oh, Wizzo has the idea of how to solve it. We'll disguise ourselves as other bounty hunters. And, oh wow! But the gimmick is once they get there, the dwarf sheet decides a bunch of people have taken the contract and run off. So I'm coming with you. So they have to mm-hmm. keep up this 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 facade at even at the end, and really all it is is putting a wig on on Lanchu, a mustache on Guizdo, and dressing Hector as a sheep. And Guizdo goes from his high pitched Brooklyn voice to "We are the best in the business, sir. We will strap them up in a jiffy." So you say you're bounty hunters? The very best in the business. Just tell us what those three scoundrels look like, and we'll catch them in a blink. It's a good one. Cute. Uh, I'm trying to see. What are some other things you do? You have questions about or observations, or do you want me so, to talk to why I love this show? 
Well, well uh, uh, I, we're we're bouncing around, and that's that's fine because mm. there because I'm looking at the fan art. I'm looking at like all the production stills. There's a ton of heart that uh, um, that the creator wanted to push into the show. Yeah, and I'm seeing it. Uh, I'm, I, but the execution didn't, didn't stick with you. It didn't stick with me. I'm uh, and, I okay. wanna, and I want to and I want to and I want to know like I want to feel. Uh, I'm not oh, sure if I can feel what why. you're. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not okay. sure if I can feel what you're feeling, but okay. I want to get there. I wrote a list. Uh, one, oh. I discussed that I like the, the world and creature concepts, um, but two, this is something you touched on too. That it you like that when shows and cartoons and stuff take time to breathe and establish stuff, and the show has a lot of when there are scene transitions. I like the the backing score. It's kind of I'm sure it was done electronically, but it's very like adventurous fantasy style there's just one main theme like dun 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 mm-hmm. and a lot of you know establishing them flying the St. George through these clouds and seeing all these islands sure. or even when they're in like a natural village or at the inn like there are a lot of maybe not during the scenes there's a ton of quiet moments but the setup there's always a little bit of take a moment to breathe look at these cool environments and get a vibe of what where you're you're heading yeah, and I know I, I know uh, you you talked about how Hector was a turnoff for you, and I, I, I mean I barely think about Hector because he's just so minor in the grand scheme of things. There's only one, like mm-hmm. I think in each season he only gets one episode where he's actually the main character. Gotcha. But Guisto and like the actual human characters, especially Guisto, make this show for me. I think he is like legit really well written and have some really fun uh, exchanges, particularly with Lian Chu and Jenaline, because Jenaline is so good at not taking Guisto's shit. Like there's an episode, my favorite episode. Because I also talked about, um, I'll get to it, but there's an episode where Lian Chu goes missing and Wisto has just found a, a client with a very lucrative contract. But when he says, give me a minute, I'll give me another little bit, I'll go find him. He's like, nope, I have no time. Wisto knocks him out and stuffs him in a closet. Oh, wow. Um, at the end, when they come back after their Lian Chu's thing is done, Janeline says, yeah, he woke up and I let him go. And he's like, what do you mean? He was like the client. And Janeline is like, yeah, well, if you'll excuse me, I have a business to run. Maybe I wasn't able to hold on to your client, but I would like to hold on to mine. I especially like my clients because they do something yours don't. They pay me. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of fun little – and, and just – I'm talking about like from episode to episode, they just have a lot of fun concepts. Like there are a handful of episodes where like Zaza goes with them and typically it's either it's like if it's a revolving character she cares about, like the Lian Shu one. There's one yeah. where like she basically blackmails them. Like she finds <laughs> – they, they, they get shipped a bunch of corn and she finds a map and a, a bounty in one of them and mm-hmm. has to be like, yeah, I'll come with – and she kind of sneaks along. Um, yeah. And another one where – Janeline is uh, this rich guy visits. He's like, your stuff's exquisite. Can I uh, get you to make something for my wedding? And he's like, sure. Okay, get this type. And it turns out because of that type's biology, you have to cook it immediately after killing it or they'll spoil. So they oh, have wow. to take her along, take Janeline oh. along with our pots. Oh, She's not that's happy inc- about it. <laughs> yeah, that's inconvenient. And at the end, she, they're like, so what do you think about it? And she, I love the fact that like, cause she's a big lady. And she's like, oh, I'm not doing that again. I must have lost like 20 pounds. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but- and just stuff like that. And I, I think a lot of these character changes, like Guizzo by far has the most dialogue in this show. Yeah. And so I think it helps that what he's so much of what he says is genuinely funny. And I like the voice acting in the show a lot. Um, now, I'd gone with you. I, I hadn't heard of the people in the show. And interesting thing, when they when you watch the credits, they only credit the people responsible for the main five characters. So, OK, um, but I brought That's up weird. with you the main uh, exposure we have. We both have with two of them. We have two of the three samurai pizza cats in this show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Speedy Cervici is Guizdo, which you can very mm-hmm. much hear. He yeah. just kind of put on a different accent, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you couldn't tell, but Jenaline is uh, polyester, the girl cat. 
That's uh, cute. Which is hard to tell because I remember I, the guy we watched that show, Polly's voice is high and generally is low. That woman has range. Oh, she's also the mom in Arthur, Arthur and DW's mom. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that cool. was. That's uh, she, she's still she. Uh, it was it was a Canadian cast because the show was made in France and we know French France and Canada pretty closely linked. Zaza's voice I, I didn't realize anything that that I was really aware of. Leo Chu was funny because he doesn't have a lot of big uh, big roles, but he's keeping busy. I looked him up on YouTube. He's also he's because he's also a theater actor. And uh-huh. but one thing, the funny thing to note, he had apparently bit roles and stuff like Days of It's Men, Days of Future Past, and The Aviator. Like mm-hmm. I think he's like just kind of a character actor who'll pop up for one small bit. And for my the one that made me giddy is that he voices a bunch of various side characters in the Assassin's Creed games. So um, this is this I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. So this is Harry Stanjowski for yeah. Sega, right? Yeah, uh, yeah like, these are not names that you, I think most people go like, oh them. But yeah, Guido is Rick Jones. Uh, Sonia Ball is generally oh Rick Jones also his Hector. Uh, Andy mm-hmm. Bavaritas, Zaza, and uh, this yeah this guy Harry Stanjowski. And it's a shame that I haven't heard this guy in much because I really like Leanne Chu's voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Oh, just a quick tangent. I'm like one of the only guys to upload clips to the show in English, and this is like back in the early days of YouTube because I ripped them straight from the DVDs. And one of the people were asking, "Is that Samurai Jack's voice?" And I thought hmm. I was like, "No, but he does kind of sound like Phil Lamar doing Jack's voice." Hmm. Um, and I think one neat thing about it is it's this is hard to do. You could get the vibe that they're playing an Asian character by the mannerisms, but they're not doing a racist accent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's probably very hard to pull they're, off. They're, this guy's shooting. been acting for a while, so I get that he would have the chops for it. Hector's left Guizdo. He's gone back to the wild like all real dragons. Yeah, it sounded more like he's he's shooting more for not uh, not wise old sage, but slightly educated and a little bit yeah, more spiritual. He stupid. He's yeah, just... but he's but more spiritual than anything. That's what yes. that's what came across to me. Yeah, and that's part of the thing that I love is when the show does touch on why Guizzo and Leanchu need each other. Because um, at the end of Leanchu poison episode, for a second they think he's dead, and Guizzo breaks down crying like, "Please, I'm nothing without you." And Aww. I just lo- and I just love that. And the fact that, like I said, the episode you saw because you, th- you think that you know you think Leanchu's got this great contract, and Guizzo's heartbroken over that because he was already thinking he was worthless. He's like, "Oh, you negotiated better." Yeah, than I caught that. I was like, "What is wrong with you, man?" Well, he because Guizzo was having a crisis of conscience, thinking I'm yeah, yeah. But then the, the catch is when they go out, the the man, that guy who you thought was being imposed, like, hey, did you look at the small print? Turns out Lee and Shu totally missed it. There was a a, a a addendum. We can only pay you when you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah. when he Guizzo's so happy, and then they go, sorry to interrupt, gentlemen, but we have to kill you now. And they, yeah, they, I they didn't resume running. <laughs> yeah, I didn't qu- I didn't quite get that joke because I was like, but you still have to pay them when they're dead, though. You still have to put the money in their bank. They can't spend it. But well, if you think about it, they could just toss the contract because those the dead are the only one who know about it they were already trying to kill them i don't think that kind of corruption is beneath them yeah yeah okay um but yeah so so i i um i'm just trying to trying to talk about so yeah i think i just love there are other small things like i'm looking right here just just a lot of little touches one thing i love is that there are a lot of episodes that are kind of they do the thing of starting like right at the tail end of some other adventure um Mm -hmm. including that one where they kill this uh this like fire dragon. Yeah, they Hector's, made. They, they, they use Hector's bait, and Leanchu tips over an island of water and just burns all the fire off, and it's just a skeleton. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, when I saw that happen, I was like, "This dude is stacked. I don't think he's gonna have very much problems." Uh, he cannot. Uh, he's not skipping arm or ch- he's not skipping uh, arm day, chest day, back day. He ain't skipping. skipping day. He ain't skipping neck day. That's for sure. Because <laughs> that. Yeah. But um. And, but like, there's another one. Like, the one I'm talking about with them, him being poisoned. I love that it starts with all three of them are dangling off the edge of a cliff, 
uh, mm-hmm. we just holding on to Lian Chu, and Lian Chu's holding on to Hector. Hector's holding yeah. them both, and this this big dragon setting them down. And the way they get out of it is Hector in dragon language tells the dragon a joke, which makes him laugh so much he blows up. Oh, <laughs> which pisses Wizard off because it was a case of you got to show the body, get the bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite episode, which I'll, is the conjunction of three moons, it's the same thing happens where Lianchu's like, being chased and circled by this little raptor-like dragon. Like, come on, get out and help. And Lianchu's just sitting on this rock like, I don't feel like a Guisto. And thankfully the dragon chips and falls off the cliff, but Guisto's still pissed. Like, we had to, we, we missed another bounty. Lianchu just isn't talking. He just looks solemn. And then when they go home, he sits on the cliff, on, on the edge of, you know, a cliff by a tree and just stares. And there's a cute moment where Zaza comes out and tries to talk. It's where he's like, we just cooked some food. You want some? And he's just shaking his head. Do you want to be left alone? Just not, nods his head. And she's like, it's always good talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then it hits Guizdo. It's the anniversary of the destruction of Lianchu's hometown. So they go back there. And the thing is, Lian, like, there's a, another, you know, town has been built on top of it with different people. But Lianchu realizes that a dragon's going to come back on that same anniversary. And he just owes it to himself to protect it there. And there's a really great oh. thing where he, he ends up not being able to kill the dragon, but he kind of lops. It's kind of gruesome, actually, because the action of the show isn't great, but gets the job done. He kind of nicks the dragon's elbow so that it just falls out of the joints. So you get the sense that its, its claws are dead. And yeah. she just runs off not to return. And Guido runs out like, are you happy? But Lian Chu just does this angry, I'll, I'll include in the show, he has this furious yell. Lian Chu, you are number one, the greatest in the world. Hey, you okay, pal? No! Letting off some steam, huh? Uh-huh. And it's just a neat, just kind of neat thing to look at. It's not on the level of something where you look like the Guardians of the Galaxy about what they've lost. But even halfway through the episode where Guido is still mad about abandoning that like lucrative contract, he was mm-hmm. talking to Lian Chu. He was just sitting there, and Lian Chu was saying, like, there was nothing left. It was just ruins. And I try not to think mm-hmm. about it, but it hurts too much. And Weezo uh, finally gets compassion. Is like, I feel the same way about wondering where my, fa- my family is. And mm-hmm. it's a moment of letting you realize both Guizhou's good side and why these two are good for each other. They have yeah. a similar rough early life and vendettas against dragons and such. And I just, and I just love stuff like that. And um, not all the humor lands in the show as a whole there's gonna still be some like more kitty slapstick uh but so much of it is dialogue driven i talk about how much i like guisto's voice and and delivery and when like 90 percent of your jokes revolve around him i think that works really well yeah. um and i kind of I, I, I wish you'd been able to see it a little more but yeah the way, the way you're, the way you're just to, there's some good stuff in the monk episode did you get to the point where they they see how big the dragon is yeah <laughs> that's a great thing because the the monk told him it's like three feet high he was like oh man he turned to Guizdo and oh Guizdo has a tendency to do like I think it's alliterations where he says two words that start with the same thing so he's like mm-hmm. mumble and midgets and stuff um, and he's like oh we can go to our sleep but then he sees it's huge and he turns around it's it's good timing because you see it gradually flying in the background with that sound like an aircraft and he's like oh he's like say there friend ever hear of a 30 year old decree that changed the units of measurement throughout the kingdom decree have any of you heard of this decree? Okay, so when you say the beast is about five feet tall, we're talking old feet now, not new feet, right? New feet? Exactly as I thought. Dear clients, oh, you're gonna love this. It seems there has been a slight misunderstanding concerning the size of your dragon. I must therefore invoke clause five of the contract binding us, namely, right for your lives! <laughs> um, there's another great thing going inside where he's like, you know, admonishing them, and he's almost ready to leave. And then uh, Lian Chu says, we shouldn't. And then because it has a fantasy, uh, it's like a giant, fiery gentleman seeing him with his pockets empty. And Zaza is just cackling like a gremlin over and over, like, ha, 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 ha. Wow. And it's, she stu- wishes him with a frying pan. And then Zaza just, like, jumps around savage, like, yeah, 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 
and then just cuts back to him looking scared. Weezer, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, he does do a lot of those fantasy sequences, but I think when they do it, it's very funny. Okay. Um, so well, yeah, I, 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 I'll be finishing up with the main show here because we were going to touch on uh, the two other, the second season of the movie. And, but yeah, so it might be a little hard for you to track down this show legally, but you know, there, like we mentioned earlier, there are sites where people, you know, stream cartoons under the, sha- the you know, under the, the radar. The whole show's there very easily, and I highly recommend you check it out. Um, particularly, I think a good starting episode is Strange Taste of Kokomak, which is the one where they're straight on the island. And the best episode overall is Conjunction of the Three Moons, the entry's backstory. There's a lot of fun there. There's like, of that first season, there's, I think there's only one episode I straight up dislike. Because it's just not an interesting plot, and it has them like deciding we're going to leave the end, and then they go temporarily help out some kind of racist Eskimo characters. Just, sure. not the most, just not the most interesting plot. But others, even ones with the less interesting plot than others, are still really fun and imaginative. And don't feel bad, Chris, about being kind of just shrugged about the show. Um, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shrugged uh, because there are things that, about this show that I generally enjoyed. Right, but you're talking like, about as a whole. As, as right. a whole, it didn't stick with me, and I want to, uh, and I, I want to give it another shot. Um, well, watch more of the episodes uh, I sent you. Yes, I will. Um, because just based on what you just based on what you tell me, that there's a good solid emotional core to this show. And I mean, from what I saw, emotional stuff. I think it's also the imagination and comedy of these character interactions bouncing off each other. Just a lot of good ingredients to make a satisfying whole for me. Okay. Um, but so first off, uh, let's talk about the two other components of this more, a little more briefly because we got to end in about twenty minutes. Now, like I mentioned, uh, original season came out in, in France in two thousand four. I think it came out over here a year or two later. Uh, in two thousand eight, they motivated by the sex made both a theatrical movie and a second season. I was sad for a long time because there was no word of the second season being brought over here because it bombed so hard and and maybe did okay in Canada. I never looked up how much they aired over there, but U.S. like I said, it was just gone. So I assumed they weren't bothering. And actually, yeah. did I was on a fan forum which is long gone now but fans were actually able to like talk about describe some of these episodes and uh post screenshots from them and such and i was still bummed out because there was a lot of really cool concepts and it spanned the characters more like there's episodes where, where lian chu finds out he has a surviving uncle hmm. so he leaves the uh the the inn to live with them it turns out not only this uncle douchebag but he reveals he was the first one to discover the dragon on the way to the village but because he resented the family he just ran off and let them all die oh wow dark stuff like that world building like we see what a city looks like in this world we start to see more airships beyond just the saint george like there's one episode they get there's one episode where they're just straight up pirates Uh um and there's another one where this 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 big game hunter with a cool like auto like kind of mechanical air like galleon uh hires them to go to a a dragon graveyard kind of elephant graveyard style where the idea is he wants he has the last one he's missing is this you know age one when it dies and he wants to help with it and that's another thing where Lian Chu has an honor code. Like, we don't want to just kill it while it's alive. It's like, no, this is where they die. Oh, all right. And, oh, just a side note. I don't know if you caught any of the dragon names, the species names in, the, when the, in what you watched, but they're the big clue, besides the crazy character names, that this is a European show. I wrote some of them down. Uh, Mimikar, Bafumador, Mamular, Glucose Glucose, Fangatofa, and my favorite, Jim Bob. All of them sound like STDs, except for Jim Bob. I do like glucose, glucose though. That sounds like a that sounds like a uh, like a nice little concoction you could get at McDonald's. See, it's actually you never see it alive. It's an episode where they come home with some of it uh, already cut up into meat. So I don't oh. know what it looks like. Yeah. So this second season now, 
here's the thing. A couple years later, Netflix got the show, and so I'd already downloaded that first season torrent, but I looked and I saw, holy shit, they actually have season two. Did they look closet? Is it, is it, is it stuff? I don't care. I watch it. And so I watch it, and uh, it is, it is, oh, oh, I do want, I should have brought this up earlier. Another of my favorite things, what do you think of the theme song? So that's The Cure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like the theme song. I was listening to it, I was like, I know this group. I don't know where it's from, but I'm going to Wikipedia it because it sounds like, who is it? It better not be, uh, 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 what was it, something, Thou Shalt Be Dragons or whatever. Uh, it sounded very familiar, and then I looked it up on Wiki, and I was like, it's the cure. Wow. They got the cure for the theme song. That's pretty That's pretty boss. I got I know, an anecdote like, on that I one. I don't know how that happened because, that's a, one, that's a big name, and two... That's I, I. You don't see guys like that doing themes for kids cartoons very often. No, you don't. You but absolutely it is fantastic. don't. Some someone must have knew someone. That that was pretty maybe, great. Maybe. Yeah. Um. And that's when I I I played that the shit out of that on my iPod back in the college day. And to be fair, like I talked about. Um. Oh yes. The other thing I should touch on is because I mentioned this show has had some influence on my personal style on stuff like Spacious, the plans I have for it. Mm-hmm. Um. One when I commissioned the theme song they made, I made a playlist of songs I could use as a basis for the style and this was one of them it was wonderful and uh two i'm looking at i know i'm just pulling up where they wrote all the uh the influences but so it mainly comes off on on some character traits and how some of the early episodes are going to go because uh jed the main guy because these are also the idea is that they're also struggling for higher guys then the idea is that the main girl leslie does uh mechanic machines and equipment repair and jed has been done so much like temp work he, he just has a bunch of random skills and jed one thing he has in common with guizdo is greed uh mm. he's all about about uh riches and fame and just kind of being very shallow but he also has a moral moral center though uh, and uh and leslie also has more of a moral compass that they bounce off of uh other than that they're pretty different characters like anyone want to just just plagiarize uh, and the same thing goes for kiki and roscoe who can kind of compare it to zaza and jenaline and that they're not as much of hands-on adventuring characters um yeah. and the fact that roscoe is all about you know managing the place they live mm-hmm. but uh that's about it like uh kiki isn't so much i want to be a mechanic of my sister kiki is kiki's an artist and roscoe is kind of more timid than generally tends to be uh there, there's a running joke where whenever Grisa runs off, uh, often of an axe or a knife hits the wall right where he was. Like, generally wow. just throwing sharp stuff at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, good thing it's a cartoon or he would be long dead. And uh, also, I'm, I'm, I'm redoing the thing where a lot of establishing shots and music to set up the vibe. Uh, yeah. And we will get, I'll get to what happened with that in the second season. And that uh, some episodes, at least like the first two, would be like crux, like a foundation. Part of the foundation will be a kind of monster encounter, but it gives the characters opportunities to bounce off of. Um, mm. Like, last thing I'll say about the season one, the last episode, there's no proper season or series finale because it's not a long story. Guizdo, <laughs> this one was lowest things, he hears about a uh, shopkeeper couple trying to discover their long lost kid. And he decides yeah. to forge the evidence to be like, oh, it's me because they're rich. Yeah. Uh, but as they're do- also in the middle of a job and they come with them, he starts seeing traits that he picks up. Like they're obsessed with contracts. They do the uh, like, oh, so they're in salamanders and all that. And by the end, right when he's about, he starts to tell them like, I, I admit, I conned you, but I think you're really my parents. Then right, uh-huh. behind, right, right behind him, they find the missing kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this second season now – I had actually, before I watched on Netflix, I had seen one of the episodes uploaded in French on YouTube or something. And one thing stuck out to me because, for all intents and purposes, it was the same show aesthetically and concept-wise. But I noticed the music, the background music went from, that, like I said, that fanciful, energized, fantastical stuff to 
something else, and I hated it. It was. Uh, I actually noticed in the credits they got different people for the music uh, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I don't know why they couldn't reuse or rehire the first, but it went from you know this kind of synthesized epic fantasy to basically like a bunch of drum and bass and acoustic guitar. Ooh. And it was so different and often minimalist that it was very jarring. Like, there are a lot of scenes where when they're trying to set up the tension, they just play drums really quick for like 30 seconds. And I just want to shut up while also playing violin. Like, I'm like, stop. Uh. Um, <laughs> or when they're trying to do a uh, comedic scene, it's just like a, a bass going boom, 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 boom. And it's like, what is this? That but seems that like a... Ma- what? That seems like that seems like a pretty massive downgrade. Cause, oh, it well, wasn't the biggest downgrade. Oh, so this is, this is what I've been teasing you about. Now I'm pasting a link right here. Copy and paste and paste this in your browser of choice. This is the same thing we used to watch uh, Tank the Hedgehog. Uh, uh-huh. I cobbled this together the other day and put it up privately on YouTube. Uh, when I watched it, they had recast every voice. Hmm. And not just that. One, they didn't even bother changing the voice credits in the credits. It's still the same Ooh. season one, guys. So there uh, are some serious production errors there. Not just that. When I heard it, it was legit some of the worst voice acting I have ever heard. Oh, boy. And I okay. put together... This is only like 30 seconds. You have it open? Yep, it's about to be open. Here you are. Okay, so I've coupled together. It starts with Weezer's original voice and then his two, season two voice, then Zaza's, and then a bunch of... Where really, like, those guys weren't good, but when you get to, like, the bit characters rolling in from one episode, holy shit. All right, you ready? Okay, it's co- it's coming. I'm ready. All right. We were supposed to bag that dragon Old skin. Though? There's not enough money to pay last month's rent. What? <laughs> he turned into the squeaky voice team from Simpsons. Huh. Okay, he, okay, here's the first Guisto and then the second one. We were supposed to bag that dragon skin and all. There's not enough money to pay last month's rent. Ah! Way more <laughs> annoying. All right. Uh, here's Zaza. And I love the fact that they actually got an actual kid to voice her in the first season, and she actually does a pretty good job. Uh, and okay. then we get to hear all the other one. Here's a new one. Oh, Guisto, don't take it wrong. I'm joking. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> what a believable that- laugh. All right, now we get into the cream of the crop. Here's the side characters. And th- this is the first one. This is Lian Chu's uncle admitting what he did. This should be a heavy scene, but listen to how he delivers it. It's true. I hated my family. Your father first. Nice. Okay. Here's this other guy. Tell me, are you the Gwizdo from the orphanage? The what? <laughs> are you the Gwizdo from the orphanage? He didn't say Gwizdo, though. He said <laughs> Tell me, are you the Gwizdo from the orphanage? Oof. Was he drunk? He did not that, say like, quiz. He did not say quiz. About. These people could not be actual actors. They got this. Uh, must yeah, have been yeah. done on the scrim and just people in the office. Hey, you want to be in a cartoon? Yeah, um, they def- yeah. That's, I saved the best for last. Here's this king. One episode. They think he's been taken by a dragon. They think he's dead. Here's his apology. Sorry, your colleague has been devoured. I cannot pay you what I owe. The dragon has stolen my treasure. <laughs> <laughs> my treasure. You know. I'm sad. Oh, so the whole show sounds like that on top of boom, 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 boom. It is the one time I can think of where it feels like the writing could be good, too, but you can't tell because it's all being delivered like this. So I wonder how the creator felt during this. second. I, I mean, season. I wonder if they know because it's again, this is a French show, but I do know th- that crappy music was in the original, too, and they they're also it stands to I can I can have time to ice eclipse, but there are points where it feels like sound effects are missing. Like where there's the middle of a fight going on, and it's just those drum music and maybe like some grunts. It, and it makes me it makes me wonder whether or not there are like 
some real strict budgeting issues I, that I happened. Can, oh. I'm convinced that combined with the fact that the show flopped in English speaking countries, they just went, fuck it. It's it's just put out something. Yeah, there there is a bit of a quality dip here, and I'm choosing my words carefully because this is the kind of shit that I live for. I mean, um, when it comes to like you know animation, when it comes to like you know casting actors, uh, voice acting, and trying to live and breathe a production and make it work, it's hard. It's like, it's I so know. Weird. So when you're when you're bringing well, what I'm what I'm saying is is that I want to know like what the showrunners felt at this point. I yes. I would love it, to just ask them like what happened. How did this mm-hmm. ca- like? Both the music, and the French version, what just because I also didn't, I also didn't include. There are points where you can tell like they didn't edit right because the pitch will change in mid syllable, like it's being modulated. I have never seen anything like that in a show before. I kind of want to, I kind of want to like touch base with them. Like, are they on Twitter or something? At I don't all? know the creators are. The the production company is called Futuricon. They have an official website. Maybe you could email them. If this is created by by uh, 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 Arthur Arthur Quack, he didn't work on the second season. It was directed he, by someone named Norman J. LeBlanc. But he was the one that created the series, right? He created this. He co-created the series, directed a lot of the first season and the movie, which we'll get to. Okay, okay. So maybe he was off doing the movie at this point while the second season was in production. I, yeah, I, I, I don't I'm think guessing, he would have influenced those production changes at least. I yeah. think this has to be a money thing. Perhaps and like, uh, get perhaps. this all done in time for the movie. Yeah. Um, so it's a shame because like there are a lot of great ideas in it. I don't know if I already brought them up or if I wrote them down. Yeah, like about the city. You see more you, like season two is where you finally see actual like Asian civilizations because mm-hmm. in the first season it was just Lian Shu. Um, mm-hmm. And the finale, uh, Guizos came up this ancient talking dragon who, through terrible voice acting, reveals he created the world. He's like oh, millennia wow. old, and he and his family can create these these planets and islands. Just That's more imaginative stuff, but. The sound, all of it, botch. <laughs> I don't. It was, I, it was a bummer. I like how you're just like the sound. The sound. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining you just rocking back and forth at this point. Oh, in a mental uh, ward. The sound. Well, I kind of, well, <laughs> I kind because I'm, I'm feeling how uh, I can hear how you feel about this show, mm-hmm. and I like after seeing the clip of the movie, I, I was like. I I, I want to know more about this thing. So I went okay. back and I watched a little bit more uh, um, that I could at the time. Of the show? Uh, of the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched a little bit more that, um, that I could. And, yeah, like all the things that you're stating, like, you know, the the, 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 the jokes, the environments, the imagination, uh, and the emotional core that, um, that, I, um, that I started to pick up on in the movie, like, it's – I – personally found it a bit sporadic but mm. i do want to know more i'm, I'm curious uh, i'm a bit more curious about the show now that, right. uh, now that you've given me a taste of well whether or not so you that's... want to watch more of it is totally up to you and uh mm. i'm just happy you were you're okay with talking about and watching something yeah. but yeah. Here, okay so let's just touch on because the movie is seems like the thing you're most interested in and mm-hmm. i i watched that back when it first came out it did not get a theatrical release over here it went straight to dvd so interesting thing uh it is for all intents and purposes a reboot in its own its own world because uh Zaza and Jenlene are not in it at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's a different girl they team up with named Zoe, and a different, very few characters in the movie overall. There's like them, two adults that she lives with at the beginning, and a couple of angry villagers led by John DiMaggio for one scene, and a couple of dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that was a budget thing either. But uh, season two tries to do a lazy retcon where they start saying, oh, the older daughter, she's the kid grown up. It's a couple years later, and Jenlene adopted her. And I'm like, nah. Okay, okay. Um, but so the gimmick there is. 
Now, again, to start off, because we, I, I write about the voices in season two, this also recasts everyone, but here was less of a deal, because they got some genuine talent and big names, and one of them baffles me considering how small the release was. So, Guisto is voiced by Rob Paulson. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Yakko Warner, right? Who is, yeah, and Pinky and a bunch of others, who is actually, I think he's a great fit for the kind of, because he's played I other Weasley so characters like that before, and he's, he's it, very good at it. As soon as I heard his voice, I was like, perfect. Yes. That's, that's what I said. The like, crazy uh, one, Leanne Chu is voiced by Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, that kind of blew me away. Like, I, 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 I saw it on the cast list, and I was like, I really need to see how he I, sounds. Well, okay, here's the thing. Just so you know, Leanne Chu is is very different in this movie. Yes, um, he is. He is much more quiet, much more humble, and you get the sense more unsure of himself because mm-hmm. he walks more a little hunched over. In the show, where he always has this great sword, here he just has, a, like, a nunchuck and a, and a scythe. Yeah. Um... But this, he's the one who has more, who almost has more of an arc because about what this, what happens in the story where it starts, you know, he, Guido, and Hector are down their luck. They don't have even have really a place to live. So this little girl Zoe, who loves the Legend of Dragons and reads these storybooks and stuff, her grouchy old uncle she lives with, uh, basically you find out there is this ancient, like probably the most powerful and unstoppable, almost godlike dragon of all, called the World Gobbler, that like mm-hmm. raises its, its come back into the front forefront every like generation. Yeah, and this guy faced him, and that's what led him to go blind, and like all his knights are being killed after sending being sent off to kill it to say it. And it was when Zoe run, tried running away, she's saved by them from some gym bobs, um, which are actually one of my favorites because they're these little blue raptor things, but they are electric. Mm. And well, oh, one thing we didn't touch on a, a cute tr- touch about Lian Shu is his number one thing when he's not hunting is he knits. Oh um, yeah, I saw that in his. Uh, um, in- the monk yeah. touches on it, so like like in there, but in. Both the show and the movie, characters are confused by that. Like, that's not very manly. That's not very intimidating. But he says, like, it's good for hand-eye coordination. It helps. It keeps me calm. I like it. So, most valued knight, when you aren't out hunting dragons, you, uh, you knit. Shh. He who drops a stitch winds up in the ditch. Knitting is excellent for the warrior's concentration. And the movie, it needs to touch even further because we just started to talk to him and he gets angry. He's like, my mother taught me that. Because this keeps Aww. and embellishes on the Lian Chu's childhood because it starts out with a flashback of that. And you realize by the end, the world gobbler is the one who did that. And uh, that, uh, that affects Lian Chu in some interesting ways at the end. So here's the thing. So most of the movie is kind of a road trip where once they're hired because Zoe, the girl, mistooks them for like legendary knights. And of course, Guisto lies about how they're amazing. And because the uncle's blind and see how normal they look, he's like, all right, we'll do it. Um, so go get to the world gobbler. Here's a down payment. And so a lot of it's a road trip. Zoe sneaks away because the uncle can't stand her. And it's them going, encountering some other dragons and ruins. And this, if you thought the environment were amazing in the show, who boy, Oof. like you saw that section. That's the peak yeah. of, because they reach, they call it the end of the world, like the edge where it's just ruins of skyscrapers and temples, like hundreds of pieces of debris floating around. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And the music is incredible. And so, so I've heard that theme before. Like it the is theme where- actually the one, the main one, that clip is, was made before the movie. It's called Lotus. And yeah. It's by Jalan Jalan yes, or something. A, a Bali uh, band. And they licensed it for the movie. Cause I think, I'm sure it was a passion project for other this guy. Like this, this fits. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like what happens here? So there's some much better action and world building in this. Uh, even though the intro is different and doesn't say as much, I think him and Guizdo, their chemistry still really works. Like the scene you saw, that's it's, it's a standard trope where the characters have a falling out and they're kind of separated by the bridge of the second third act. But this one uh-huh. is really impactful because they start seeing signs like the last night who tried to fight World Goblin has gone legit insane, and Guizdo mm-hmm. finally snapped and is like, "We're, we're all going to die doing this." Like. 
Zoe is naive and thinks it's just another fairy tale thing's gonna be okay, but in real life, knights die, and I don't want you to die. Lian Chu's like, if you feel that way, leave. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that, like, Lian Chu is, like, just constantly polishing his scythe, and we just start getting, like, oh, you say stop it, and Leecher's like, stop it. And he's like, oh, no, and then nature gets all pretty, and Leecher's just like, stop it. Like, it's, like, it's like, a genuine argument and, like, simmering tension. When the world gobbler is dead... We can have our little farm. Oh, right. The great knight, Leon Chu, is going to say to the world gobbler, I do not fear you, ugly thing. And poof, the world gobbler's dead. And we're all happy as pigs. Stop. I'm not finished. And then nature blossoms. Everything's green. And there are little white bunnies flying all over the place. Stop. We're all going to die. Because of some little girl who dreams of knights. But you see, life's not a fairy tale. In real life, knights, they always die. I don't want you to die, Leon Chu. But that's not yeah. the whole movie. Um, yeah. There's another scene. That's, like, there's some there's some stuff that just they just don't explain. Like, first off, when they first start on the trip, Guizhou is originally not going to go because he gives them, like, a little bag of a down pay, of what can't gold payment. And Guizhou, they add a life goal where they want to settle down and start a farm. And Guizhou's like, you, uh-huh. you see this? This is our farm. We just walk away. He'll be none the wiser. And we start the farm. And then Zoe comes along and both she and Leon Chu guilt trip him and they keep going. They never mention that bag again. Like, you mm-hmm. think he would just be like, oh, it fell off the edge, and no, it's like, probably no, he still has it, so why is, what? And the other thing, so they meet this guy who's gone crazy, and the big thing is, his two hands are acting like they're independent creatures. Like, he puts on different voices, like, that's like doing sock puppet movements with them. It's really yeah. fun, and, well, anime, because it's almost like he's being guided by the movements of his arms, like, dragged around by them. And mm-hmm. so when Guizzo separates, because the, the uncle talked about how there are a bunch of premonitions about that lead up to it, and one of them is talking animals. And so he thinks he sees, the first dragon they encounter is one that splits up into dozens of smaller, like, bat dragons. Oh. And they get away, but he sees two of them that start talking to him, and you notice they both have Rob Paulson voices, and then mm-hmm. it zooms out, and he sees it's both his hands. Yeah. He starts screaming, Lian Chu finds him, and the next scene, he's still being crazy and acting like that night, and then when they crash land on the island, they are, he's fine. No explanation mm-hmm. for any of that. Which is very, it's very frustrating when you do some cool stuff like that, but don't clarifier properly yeah so i noticed that that theme was playing the mm-hmm. the the lotus theme yeah and it and it's a beautiful section like like it's very very genuine yeah and i say that like there are you, other genuine you, moments i'm not yeah yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm not debating that I'm, I'm 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 noting that that moment like it really it really helps define like this is a very unique world that you're seeing. Like you've oh, probably yeah. never you've probably never seen anything like this no. specific thing before. And there there's a there are a couple things that happen that are visually very cool. And then it stops with these bats, the yeah. bats that you're talking about. Like the yeah. the, the moment comes to a screeching halt and I, I threw up my hands. I was like, damn it! <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, before that ends, one of the best parts, Squeeze is ejecting, just sitting on a stranded island, and lightning strikes the skyscraper right next to him. And it's just the windows going out, the building blew up, and he doesn't even react. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. It is. It's really cool. And then it just ends. And that yeah. scene just stops. And I There's was like, what a, a lot of the action wasted. Scenes in, a lot of the action scenes in, still integrate stuff like that. Because um, the next scene is, like, the, the island they're on is starting to go down, and they're, like, three dragons hovering around and gradually breaking into pieces. And so Lian mm-hmm. Chu is both swiping them when they come by, and Guizdo is starting to go crazy and admit the lie and almost try to kill Zoe. Oh, like, wow. Last, he's like, you want to hear a story? Oh, yes, tell us a story. Oh, how about mm-hmm. the two bats who strangle the little girl? Uh-uh. Like, it's, it's legit kind of scary. <laughs> Don't you like the story? Oh, yes, yes. Tell us a story. The story about the naive little 
girl who mistook two lowly rogues for noble knights. Devoured by the world gobbler because of some little girl who dreamed of noble knights. Yuck, that one really stinks. And the one about the two red bats that strangled the little girl. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the one. Um, but it's never explained. And, like, Zoe, I feel like she has moments that are cool, but she often more, in the whole movie as a whole, I feel like she comes off as more annoying. Like, she talks way too much because it's sight way too much. She screams through half the action. Like, it's good intention, but could have used better execution. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet said, yeah, I still recommend the movie. There are other isolated moments, like the stuff you talked about. It, it has a much more somber tone than the show. There's still humor. It seemed but like it. Yeah. The, show, the, the world feels a lot more. It almost gives off the vibe that it's dying because at least the areas they go to are. Because there's mm-hmm. like fewer side characters. I wonder what the budget thing because they wanted to make sure the environments look good. And there's some stuff that happens at the end when they could beat the dragon. And again, never explained. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a unique show. I mean, unique movie and definitely. It, that, okay, now here's the, here's the other thing. I mentioned how the show was previously on Netflix and Hulu in the past. Uh, as they're recording, the movie is still on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- so, and you know, Hulu streaming things come and go. So if what we're talking about sounds interesting, you have a Hulu account, hey, you won't lose any money. What if you go and watch it? Mm. Okay. So I think that we can probably start winding things down. So I would absolutely recommend the first season of the show. I would like recommend the movie it, it's it's cool nothing else like it i would not recommend that second season you can try i think some people <laughs> were able to get past that i i'll admit i watched like two-thirds of it because i still love the characters and concepts but mm. what a unique way to ruin a show i should have said i, I basically turned to alphys from undertale that second season ruined everything uh. <laughs> that's me like ranting about some mew mew anime okay Only it's, All right. it's a french show about guys hunting dragons Okay, I can I can understand that. And then. do you have any closing thoughts on Dragon Hunters? What you've um, seen and what we talked about? It's a very curious show, and I I really want to I do want to give it another shot. Hopefully, when I'm a lot less busy. This was I uh, it's the design fun to talk about. Yeah, the, I think the execution it may not be for everyone, and I hope no. that I hope at some point it gets another shot. Like I really it would do. surprise me if they reboot it someday. Like I said, it was huge in France, so maybe in another decade. Yeah, kids shows are very like we talk about kids well we talk about it's not that we talk about kids shows like you know it's so uh, uh, um like like a dime a dozen like they just come out of nowhere cartoons and Mm -hmm. animations i mean there's so many of them nowadays this was that's what this was for me yeah we kind of forget like there is a giant system where executives and show run well most studios studios are bidding for projects they're they're they move they move shows around like chess pieces. They have logistics that show like what the market's going to what the advertising market's going to look like years in advance. So they're like, what show would look best uh, in, uh, in this day and age with this amount of people with this market? Well, this target audience that we're looking for, mm-hmm. and it's kind of with a show like this where there is a lot of heart and there is a lot of imagination in it. It's kind of difficult to realize that how is the show going to make money for the advertisers if it doesn't put bodies in movies uh puts bodies in seats uh makes people buy cd toys toys and dvds there was merchandise in europe i've seen pictures yeah yeah but was there merchandise here no it never it never stood a chance here yeah it it frustrated me because i'm looking i want to bring up this was aired in the same era where they had stuff like maguzi 
Mm-hmm. And like, oh, Magoozie. Pop- <laughs> but they had really popular French shows, Code Lyoko, Totally Spies. I don't like either of those, but those were big hits with big followings. Yeah. This would have, I'm confident if they put it there, it would have flourished. It pro- It most likely would. Like, God damn it. The, the, the only thing that this show does not have, and, I'm, and if it does have it, I have not seen it, hmm. is, let's see. Uh, what, how can I put this? Pretty girls on it, uh, <laughs> and that's and that's that's one thing that the Maguzi and the Toonami lineup had in spades. And that and and Yoko didn't really have pretty girls. That had a weird art style. That had a weird art style, and that's that's that was a little different. See, I'm not, sh- I'm I'm not tuned into the to the Code Lyoko market. Yeah, I didn't like what I saw of it, but I know people loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so I know there are I know there's a there are fans of it, but I do know that Maguzi and Toonami catered more towards the young boy market. Maguzi was Toonami Junior. Yeah. So when it comes to when it comes to the definitive young boy market here in America, we want action, we want pretty girls, and we want toys. And that's that yeah. was the name of the game back then. And that sucks because it alienates everybody else <laughs> uh, who, uh, it, it make, can make good shows like this just not yeah, get a shot maybe that was yeah. why they scheduled it that way that's that's most likely what i mean that's the that's the common denominator uh, of what i'm what i'm speculating at there could be hundreds of factors that i'm not taking into account but when it comes to when it comes to releasing cartoons people um, companies like to keep in mind that the one specific market that they're trying to cater to is the age um, is the age demographic of I think eight, nine to eleven, maybe twelve. Not sure. It's a weird, s- silly idea. To eleven too. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 super weird to just focus in on that specific market because unless you're there, because then you can focus on that and forty year old single men. That's that's true, but that's a real not, thing. Yeah, it's it is a real thing, and it's look up the pretty cure demographics. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, Malmodica Magica, the list goes on. But when it comes to like ages 8 to uh, 12, it's not every kid, not every boy is going to like the same thing. And that's hard. That's hard to get yeah. a grasp and there's of. And there is an audience for this. We, I've talked about mm-hmm. in Europe, but it just didn't get its, it didn't get its chance. It's time in the sun over here. Yeah, it sucks. It really does. But the uh, fact, that, like I said, the fact that what's just over there means we could see another form of it someday, even if it doesn't so. get localized. Well, who knows? Because Futuricon, re- they have still run. They've been doing a ton of other kid shows. Maybe they or someone else will finally someday do a pitch and get it successful. Like, hey, let's revisit Dragon Hunters. I really hope so because the show. I mean, I certain every show that um, every show that gets greenlit for a pilot, um, greenlit after the pilot, it's a risk. Even pilot is a bit of a risk because that's money being thrown at something that might not ever air as a um, as a um, as a broadcast piece um but like when you're talking about like a 12 episode deal that's millions and millions of dollars and that's a lot of money like just to just to go out on maybe this will sell maybe not it's it's weird cartoon yep. Yep. cartoon business is weird that's why this I, would I, become our most uh, in-depth discussion about cartoon demographics yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can talk about it <laughs> a little bit more. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you ever want to discuss that in general, I'm fine with it. Um, sure. But I think that's going to bring episode 27 to a close. Uh, we've kind of gone over the time you need to get off anyway. Yeah. Uh, but thanks so much for agreeing to do this and watching stuff. This is – I'm not going to lie. This is one – I had – when I first I first got into podcasts in college around the same time I discovered this show. And I literally imagined, like, if I ever start my podcast, I want to talk this. So consider this a goal over a decade old accomplished. I'm glad and you're – 
I'm I just, glad you I had mean, fun. I feel like it's hope. I'm hopeful that at least just if just one listener discovers the show through this and likes it. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I want. That's that's one of the goals of this show. It's in general. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk more well known stuff. Not everybody's seen it, and if what we say encourages you to check it out, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, um, absolutely. And of course, we also both recommend uh, Infinity War. I recommend Nino Kuni too. Mm-hmm. And we'll. Uh, I have a feeling you'll be recommending Nino Kuni too. But you can get back to me in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that'll bring this to a close. And just to tease, uh, I already talked to you, Chris. What are we going to be discussing for episode twenty-eight? Well, I would like to talk about uh, Rampage next time around. Specifically, the new Dwayne Johnson movie based yeah. on the game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really fun time. Yep, you're going to motivate me to. I'll, I will go check it out a few days after recording this. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, I mean, by the time the next episode comes out, it might be out of the- some theaters. But you know, you can always revisit the episode when it hits Redbox or whatever. It does it kind of sound me out. I think it'll be fun to talk a. Uh, let me put it this way: it'll be nice to talk a currently in theaters movie that isn't Marvel or animated. Yeah, that'll be neat. So thank you so much for listening. Go check out the things we talked about. Go see Infinity War in theaters. Go play Nino Kuni 2. And track Dragon Hearts down how you can. Be it the movie or the show. If you watch season two, good luck. But I am John Flurry. And I'm Christopher Wade. And this is a major breaching contract. Please know paragraph 32, article 3, clause 34C. That is something we still bring up a million times. Along with, please put an X here, 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 and there. You don't have to read. That's good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what this says. And then he just starts laughing. It's like He's like a car salesman. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. Um, Good night, all. See ya.